0: This is Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hi, this is Bob Johnston, and you're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. 89.5 FM and 92.5 FM in good old McLean County and Bloomington Normal. 88.3 in Pontiac. 97.1 in Lincoln. 89.1 in DeKalb Sycamore. 89.3 in Morris Joliet. in Rockford, Marengo, Harvard, Beloit area, covering much of central Illinois and also northern Illinois and growing, thanks to you. We're going to have a great show for you today. I'm here with my wife, Lynn. And as always, if you would like to make a donation, and we certainly hope you would, you can reach us at uh, our website, and that's catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's catholicspiritradio.com. You can phone us, and our area code is 309-807-2427. Again, that's 309-807-2427. The best way to reach us, of course, is on our website, catholicspiritradio.com. And uh, any donation that you can make is always appreciated, large or small. Uh, We have been gone for the last couple of weeks, and it seems like we have been gone a little bit off and on here in this season there's been a lot of colds and flu and so forth going around and uh that has affected us uh, as well as i'm sure as many of you out there uh the weather has been fairly good we've had some cloudy gloomy days but we've also had some warmer weather and sunny days but nevertheless it's the fall season and it seems again that uh, a lot of flu and colds and so forth are going around (coughs) we're very glad to be back and uh uh We're always brought to you by you. It's still a mad, mad, mad world out there, and we'll talk a little bit about that. We're going to have sort of an eclectic show for you today. We'll talk a little bit. uh, The last time I talked somewhat on war and uh, the transformation of war and some good books that I recommended on war, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk a little bit about the Synod and Synodality and maybe talk about some of the things uh, that are going on inside the church, and uh, then maybe the next couple of weeks after this, uh, we'll dedicate to Christmas, because we'll have a couple of uh, shows here before Christmas yet, and uh, we are getting into the Christmas season. Of course, Advent uh, has started, and uh, the Christmas season is in full swing now, and we'll get to that a little later. Before we start, I'm going to turn this over to my wife, Lynn, and see what she has to say.
1: Well, the secular Christmas season certainly has started. But keep in mind, the Christmas season goes from Christmas Day until the baptism of Christ into January. So, we have started the new liturgical year. And this began on last Sunday, the beginning of Advent. So we have four Sundays in Advent before Christmas. And the, this is the season people that do the Liturgy of the Hours, they have the, and it's called the O-Anathoms, where it be, be, begins, O, oh, there's always an O, oh, oh Jerusalem, if you knew what was coming, Oh, you know, and so forth, and so on. I always think of uh, Advent as a very good time to read the daily readings out of your Bible. In most churches, it's listed in your uh, bulletins. If not, if you can go to the bishops' conference, the U.S. Bishop of Com- Conference and pull it up, and they'll tell you what the readings are for every day. That's where you're going to find all those old anathons. And remember, we're looking forward to the time when the light of the world will come in to the world. I can remember as a little kid sitting on the cedar chest and waiting, my brother and I waiting for the uh, evening star to appear in, in the sky On Christmas Eve Because In the Polish tradition Christmas Started When the first Evening star Appeared in the sky And I was Often worried As a child What if the star Didn't come You know He didn't appear That was a big thing and my father Would always tease us And Is it there yet Is it there yet Oh maybe it's not coming Because In the Polish tradition, we celebrated uh, Christmas Eve was a big thing. Santa Claus came. We had uh, a fish dinner with the whole family on my dad's side, and passed around the Bethlehem bread, and uh, which was like a a unleavened bread that everybody got a piece of, and then we opened presents and got home. And Santa Claus had come while we were there. But the, and then we had we're supposed to take a nap and get up and go to midnight mass. And the girls were, were dressed as angels with wings on. Ever try to sit in a pew with wings sticking in your back? I don't think the angels were too comfortable. <laughs> but that that was a big thing. That's part of my memories of Christmas. Okay, Bob, let's get on with the mad world here.
0: Well, before that, I'll mention that uh, we did pretty much the same thing. We we used to go over to my grandmother's, and uh, she was Lithuanian. My mother was uh, Lithuanian. And we went over there, and we did the same thing. We had the big uh, fish uh, Christmas Eve uh, dinner, and then we had the unleavened bread that we passed around and ate. And uh, we all went to Midnight Mass as well. We did the same thing as you did. So uh, it was pretty much very, very, very similar uh, in, in in what you did. Of course, the two countries are right across from right near each other.
1: Yeah, they border each other, don't and, they?
0: And, yeah, they do. And so uh, the, the customs are very similar. So that's what we did. And then when my grandmother, you know, my, my grandfather had passed away, my grandmother passed away, then... We did that over at my Aunt Violet uh, and her husband. Uh, we did the same thing for quite some time as well as we got older. So was a, it was a good time. It was nice. Uh, but at any rate, as you, you pointed out, it's still a mad world out there. Uh, I did get that book. I talked uh, the last time we were here about uh, a book by Barton Van Kreveld called The Transformation, Transformation of War. Delegitimizing the state and it's talking about how war has uh, changed a lot and has gone over to a lot of secular non-state organizations that uh, fight wars such as Hamas and others and uh, how the woke uh, situation in effect in our own country is delegitimizing the state and delegitimizing the state in other areas and how if a state does not do uh, what it's in, you know, supposed to do, that is protect the safety and order of people, then you know the state will fade away and something else will take its place. And we seem to be in sort of a transition like this in our own country right now where more and more people are rejecting the legitimacy of the state because the state isn't doing its job to keep order and protect people. At any rate, I wanted to, you know, talk a little bit about that book. It's, uh, it's a very good book. It's very interesting. And, uh, again, people might ask, well, why is uh, uh, Catholic, you know, talking about Catholicism, our show being called Being Catholic, why are we talking about war? Well, the war has been going on, and the church has been affected by war all, all the way from its very beginning with the fall of Rome all the way through its history— uh, we even go back before that, and we talk about the war in heaven, uh, you know, the war of the angels against Satan, the the, the uh, demonic angels who warred against God and uh, so, you know, affected the earth, and this is going on. And uh, so war is something that uh, is, is important. We had Thomas Aquinas, uh, one of the greatest... Uh, Catholic scholars and saints uh, actually formulated the just war theory. So the church has been involved in various ways with war. It's a very, very uh, interesting topic, and uh, it's something that has been with mankind from the very beginning and something that uh, we probably should understand. And so uh, I don't think it's inappropriate to talk about war here on a a Catholic show at all. Do you, Lynn?
1: Well, no, it's part of life, and it's really— uh, goes back, like you say, into early times. But uh, in the Old Testament, it's one more after the other, and you know it always follows when people turn their back on God that these things happen.
0: And uh, the book a cycle exactly in the book, Martin Van Krebel transformation of war, delegitimizing the state. Uh, is a very good book worth getting. It's really interesting what you'll learn about war, the causes of war, why people go to war, and some of the reasons that war is fought, what war is about, and how war has changed over the centuries. And uh, I'm very glad that I got the book. It isn't, I want to say to you, though, it's not a real easy reading book. It's it's not real difficult or anything like that, but uh, it provides a lot of information and uh, it takes a little bit of uh, thought and uh, reading through it slowly to understand uh, what is being talked about and said. So I don't, don't want
1: to uh, yeah, give people I, idea I that it's some kind of a re-
0: real easy reading book.
1: It's not. It's easy reading as far as the what you you know, the vocabulary and stuff. You'd be okay with everybody. Be okay with it, but you do have to go rather slowly to really comprehend everything that's being said. It's one of those books, you enjoy it, but you're going to want to read it again.
0: Exactly. I was reading it again, you know, this morning a little bit and so forth. But uh, at any rate, what I want to talk about in the book, it talks about <clears throat> what I would call low-key war and uh, <clears throat> it, and it, it, the wars that are often fought on a... Basis that we wouldn't really think of as war, in in, uh, a war of of attrition against the morale of the state, and uh, I think that uh, what we have, what we see today in the woke agenda, is a carrying on of war by a different means than just violence. You know, just just physical violence. It's it's sort of a mental violence. It's a mental war. Uh, a uh, low-key war, and uh, it's very important because people don't recognize a lot of times that uh, this is war and that war is going on. It's uh, a war on our secular society. I want to talk about that, and it sort of parallels maybe some of the problems that are also going on inside of the church. So we'll transition from talking about uh, a non-physical war being made on our secular society on, against our state that demoralizes people and also causes a, a lack of order and a lack of protection from crime and violence in society that is really, you know, operated by criminals on the physical level And uh, operated by more philosophical, uh, a more philosophical approach uh, on the mental level, and uh, it can demoralize and destroy the foundations, the moral foundations of a society, make it weak, and make it susceptible to uh, loss uh, either simply through demoralization and deunification, or it can make it susceptible to loss. because the society becomes weak and unable to defend itself and then is open to attack by actual physical war from uh, other uh, entities or countries. So this is something that we want to talk about. Uh, But it's a demoralization. uh, It's a loss of morale uh, through attack on the moral foundations of society. Uh, In our society, there has been this huge emphasis that our society was built on slavery and racism, and uh, it's an attempt to demoralize people with the idea that the founding of our country was found on, uns- on unstable and immoral principles. Uh, one of the attacks on our society is the 1619 Project, the pretense that our society was actually founded on slavery, which, of course, it wasn't. Slavery was introduced into the Americas, after our society was, was formed, and uh, it was introduced uh, actually very early in, in our society after the Revolutionary War, and uh, was not a big part of society until uh, a later point. And our society certainly wasn't founded, and our country certainly wasn't founded on slavery. But this is the attempt to delegit- delegitimize our society and demoralize people, and make people think that our our way of life and our society is no longer worth supporting and no longer worth fighting for. And uh, one of the important things that uh, you learn in the, this book uh, on war is that all wars depend on morale and the willingness to fight and the belief in a righteousness of a cause. And if that willingness to fight and the belief in the righteousness of a cause uh is gone, soldiers will no longer continue to fight. And the same thing on the secular, you know, civilian level, if people think that the society in which they live is not legitimate and that it's immoral and founded on immoral principles, people begin unwilling to support it and they lose their unity and their morale and that society can become very well weakened. So an attack in this way is actually a carrying on of war in a different manner than the actual physical, you know, violent method of carrying on war. So uh it's important to talk about that and we'll continue to talk about that a little bit more and then uh we'll talk about the parallel of that that seems to be going on also in our church. So those are some of the things that we're going to address
2: So stay with us. Uh, We're going to take a break here and we'll we'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. A warm welcome to our new Catholic Spirit Radio listeners in Rockford. We hope you're inspired and informed by our quality programs. Tell others about Catholic Spirit Radio now heard in the Rockford area on 88.9 FM and catholicspiritradio.com.
3: Christmas and year-end giving constitutes one-third of all charitable donations made annually. Please join others in supporting Catholic Spirit Radio during December. Donations do great good and are tax-deductible. To give to our Christmas and year-end giving campaign, please visit our website at catholicspiritradio.com today. Catholic Spirit Radio is reminding you of three upcoming Holy Days of Obligation, December 8th, December 25th, and January 1st. Vigil Mass is the evening before it count. We will have a webpage at catholicspiritradio.com, listing all the Mass times for churches in more than a dozen counties throughout the cities you, our radio listeners, live in. If you are eager to see the announcement the moment we get each new Mass page posted, console our Facebook page. Have a Merry Christmas!
0: Hi, this is Bob Johnson. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break, and we're talking a little bit more about uh, different types of war. We're talking about the fact that there seems to be a what they, we would call a low-key uh, war going on in our society, and uh, it's being fought on a mental rather than a physical level. And uh, the intention of, of war in this particular case is to demoralize that society and to disrupt it in such a way that the government no longer is providing the order and safety that governments are required to uh, provide, and therefore government is being delegitimized, and that makes it possible for a new government or a new power to take over, and of course the, the power that is actually Uh, Fighting uh, the war on this level and uh, by tearing down uh, the morale and the legitimacy of the old foundation of society, a new foundation can be put in its place based on what the uh, people who are fighting that war, who are pushing that war uh, want to put in its place instead. And that, of course, it basically is the empowerment of themselves at the expense of the people who are demoralized and uh, disunified. And that's what's going on. And some of the tactics that I was pointing out are delegitimizing the foundation of that society. In our case, we saying that our country was built on slavery and then delegitimizing it further by uh, the idea it was built on racism and then promoting racism itself and promoting discrimination itself within that society so that uh, the racism can can continue to be an ongoing thing and can divide people into groups against each other. And what it can do eventually is to move people from acting in a public way to abandoning the public and simply acting in their own self-interest Individually, And that, of course, further disunifies people and makes them weaker and unable to accomplish things. Uh, it's a dis- just one of the attacks uh, going on uh, through the woke agenda is a distortion of our history and then the destruction of our history itself uh, by removing historical places, by removing historical markers such as statues and so forth. And uh, by removing and changing the meanings of our history and our, our books and literature and uh, doing these kinds of things to further disunify and demoralize people and uh, causing the state to reach a point where it has already reached now where there's less and less uh, safety and less and less order and uh, the, causing people then to turn inward instead of outward and to be uh, – individually oriented instead of publicly oriented and uh, to begin rejecting the state and making it possible for a new foundation or a different state or a different power to be uh, put in place. It's the exclusion of the conventional. Uh, We have what we call going on in the woke agenda is this diversity, equity, and inclusion movement which really means conformity discrimination and exclusion and uh it means the exclusion and discrimination <coughs> against the conventional against the standards that be so that something else that is that empowers the people engaging in this war uh to be able to put in place you know for their own benefit and uh, what it, what it really means is uh Uh, equity, inclusion, and diversity, equity, and and inclusion, rather. What it really means is uh, discrimination and uh, conformity, discrimination, and exclusion. It means conformity to the woke agenda. It means discrimination against merit, and it means uh, to exclude uh, excellence. And when you do those things, you cause a people to, to lose their morale, to turn away from public acts and public service, and turn inward, and you make it a lot easier and a lot more possible because, uh, to, to take over because people who are demoralized and disunified and don't feel that they have a common history are much, much easier to rule because they turn away from public acts. They turn away from acting as a, a nation and a group and defending themselves, and they begin turning to their own devices in their own groups and, and away from uh, the public acts. And they lose a lot of their power. So,
1: so yeah, it's so up, evident in our society. People are hesitant, or just will not. They'll stand by and watch a crime being committed, but they won't get involved. Even watching someone be murdered, they'll stand and watch.
0: This is a. Good, that
1: this is where all this ends up,
0: and that is a very good example. Lynn. it's uh, when it, it it makes people. Afraid to or unconcerned with interfering in public actions, like you say, people will stand or people in subways will stand and watch a murder taking place and do nothing because they feel totally demoralized. They feel that no matter what they do, it's going to be wrong, that they are going to be in some way or another blamed. And they become disunified and unable to act uniformly, unable to agree on any public form of action. And simply, you know, this is what you actually need to fight a war. You need unity. You need, in effect, soldiers who have the spirit and willingness to fight. And the most important thing for any war, and especially a war of defense, is the willingness to, to defend yourself and the idea that you can do it in conjunction with other people, that you all have the same goal and you live within a state in which the rules and regulations are clear. And the idea of defending that state is important and necessary and that it is going to be rewarded and not punished. And when you lose that and you lose that simply through, uh, being demoralized by a distortion of history and a distortion of uh, your your unity and a distortion of you know your commonality, when you lose that, you become un- unable to fight. Soldiers, in other words, who don't feel that they're in a just battle and don't have a willingness to fight, a spirit of togetherness, simply are unable to continue making war. And, and you've you've seen that happen in p- places where. If the soldiers themselves believe that somehow their cause is unjust, they lose their willingness and their ability to carry on. And no matter how strong they are and how much power that they would normally have, they simply lose that power and are often beaten by forces that are much weaker than they are, but forces who manage to keep up and uh, rally that spirit. And this is what's going on in the the kind of war we're talking about, this low-key war that is going on in our country.
1: Right. And elsewhere. Um, This is done intentionally to ruin our spirit, our our feeling of uh, patriotism. And don't doubt that. Don't doubt it for a minute. It's not just something that came about. This was totally planned. I remember Khrushchev, who was the uh, premier of uh, Russia, when he said, we will take you down from within. Well, look what has happened. Khrushchev has long gone, but we sure are falling apart.
0: And let me give you a good example, because people become confused, and nothing is is as it seems to be or is, is, is said to be. And people understand that. They have this feeling that there is something wrong but they can't put their finger on it. Nothing is what it really seems to be, and nothing is really as it is said to be, and nothing really is as it should be. And uh, but it's very difficult to put your example. For for example, uh, the transgender movement here. Uh, I was watching the news, and uh, on Fox News, uh, Dana Perino and others in the news were. We're talking about the fact that they couldn't understand why women somehow were no longer defending women's rights. In other words, women's had worked for a long time to have the same equalities that men have. They wanted to have, for example, the emphasis put on women's sports in schools just as much as uh, men's sports were. They wanted more money to be spent on things that would be good for women in sports. As money was being spent on things that were good for men. They worked hard to do this and they made great gains and they were able to get uh, (coughs) sports teams and so forth that didn't exist before. They were able to get programs and money spent that uh, was never, that they never had before and money that was never spent before. And so you have people like the swimmer Riley Gaines, who champions women and women's sports, asking the question. Why are women liberals and, you know, who were so much in favor of women's rights now turning around against women's equality and uh, they they can't understand it and trans and uh, supporting so-called transgender women? That is men who proclaim that they are women and engage in women's sports and make it impossible for women to compete against them. And yet the women themselves are championing this, and, and they can't figure this out, and they can't understand why. And they become, after a point, they become demoralized. And the reason is, the reason why, is because these people were never for or even against women's rights in the first place. What a lot of these people don't seem to understand is that women's rights uh, were simply a tool that these people were using to advance their own cause and make them in empower themselves. And once that tool was no longer useful, it was cast aside and something else had to be put in its place. In other words, if you are using women's rights to beat down what you consider your enemies or to beat down the other side and get your own way and empower yourself, at some point, if women's rights are finally granted, if all the things that you are asking for are finally granted, then that tool is no longer a tool that you can use to really demoralize and beat down the other side and empower yourself. Uh, because all of those things that you are saying that you're championing have actually been accomplished and come into existence. And so that tool is no longer useful So it's simply abandoned and a new tool has to be found. And so if necessary, a new tool will actually be invented. And that those are some of the reasons why transgender, for example, has been pushed and made an important part of uh, what's going on today. Not long ago, you never even heard of such a thing. I mean, transgender was, you know, was not even an issue, but all of a sudden it becomes an issue. But the fact is is that you have to understand it really is no more of an issue than women's rights were an issue. What you need to understand is that in this war of attrition against the conventional this war of attrition against the status quo this war of attrition against the modern American state uh is you know a deception that the uh, the issues that are being talked about and used are issues that are simply tools to empower the people who are pushing those issues. The issue really is never actually the issue. In other words, women's rights was never the issue, and transgender really isn't the issue now. The real issue always is power. <laughs> the issue is never, you know, the issue that's, that's being proposed And that's simply a tool that's being used to empower the people who are proposing it. Yes,
1: looking back at the issue of women's rights, and they equated it to black rights, also kind of included it in there. But the push for women's rights was really a way to break down the family. That's how I see it.
0: Exactly. It, it was used to break down the family. It was used to to put other people in their place. It was used to empower the people who were pushing it. Uh, the the fairness and and women's rights, et etc was never the issue. The real issue was always power. And being for or against women was merely a tool to get that power. And this is what you have to understand what's going on today. The issues are never really the issues. The issue is always, empowerment of the people who are pushing this so-called issue. (laughs) These people will invent an issue if they have to in order to use it to empower themselves, and they will use that issue also to weaken and disunify their opposition. And this is what's going on. This is what Riley Gaines and other women and some of the news people themselves don't seem to understand. That the issues that they're talking about, that they think are so important, are not the real issues. Those are just fake issues. <laughs> the real issues are always how can we get, to, how can we take the power, find out who has the power, take that power away from them, and keep it for ourselves. That is the real issue, and it follows. Uh, there's uh, uh, a a a uh, pamphlet out uh, written by a man. Uh, Uh, Saul Alinsky. It's called Ruth's Radicals. Saul Alinsky was from Chicago. And uh, actually, President Obama was a friend of Saul Alinsky and some of the other radicals who hung around with Saul Alinsky. And uh, his whole idea was that the issue should never be the issue. The issue always should be how can we use an issue to take power away from those people who have it and transfer that power to ourselves, use that power to disunify and smash down the old foundation and put our new foundation and ourselves in place of it? And that's what's going on, and unless you understand that. And Saul Alinsky referred to what he considered the first radical. And who he considered the first radical? Gesslin. Jesse Walensky would have considered the first radical. Absolutely.
1: His book is dedicated to Satan.
0: They're right. Rules for radical is dedicated to Satan. He dedicates to Satan, and he says the first radical. Satan was the first radical. Satan uh, challenged God. In other words, the idea is, is that why should somebody else have power instead of me? And Satan was the same way. Why should somebody else have power and the fact is, is that Jesus Christ told us that Satan was a liar from the very beginning. And this is what we have to understand: is this war that is going on, this war of attrition, is built on deception. Low-key wars, you know, low-intensity conflicts, and that's what the, the book calls them—LIC, low-intensity conflicts—are always built on deception. In other words, if you're going to fight a war in which you are not going to be able to use weapons of destruction, and weapons of physical violence. You have to use a mental weapon, and the best mental weapon is deception, and that is exactly what is going on, and that's what people like Riley Gaines and some of these news people do not seem to understand, that the issue is never the issue. The issue is always something else, and that something else is always empowerment. The issue is always about power. We're going to have to stop here and take a break, so stay with us. We'll be
3: right back.
2: You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnson on Catholic Spirit Radio.
3: Catholic Spirit Radio is reminding you of three upcoming Holy Days of Obligation, December 8th, December 25th, and January 1st. Vigil Masses the evening before it count. We will have a webpage at catholicspiritradio.com listing all the Mass times for churches in more than a dozen counties throughout the cities you our radio listeners live in. If you are eager to see the announcement the moment we get each new Mass page posted, console our Facebook page. Have a Merry Christmas! Hey, this is Father Mitch Pacwa, host of Open Line Wednesday. For me, Catholic Radio is a
0: chance to speak and hear our Catholic doctrine, consider it, think about it, apply it to everyday life, and be blatantly in the public with it. And I am so thankful to you for being an important part of the Lord's plan. By participating and listening, invite others to listen
3: and hear open line.
2: A warm welcome to our new Catholic Spirit Radio listeners in Rockford. We hope you are inspired and informed by our quality programs. Tell others about Catholic Spirit Radio now heard in the Rockford area on 88.9 FM and catholicspiritradio.com.
3: Christmas and year-end giving constitutes one-third of all charitable donations made annually. Please join others in supporting Catholic Spirit Radio during December. Donations do great good and are tax-deductible. To give to our Christmas and year-end giving campaign, please visit our website at catholicspiritradio.com today.
0: Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break. We have been talking about low-intensity conflict, or what I call low-key war. And uh, it is from uh, the book that uh, I ordered and talked about uh, on the last show, and that is The Transformation of uh, War. Uh, Martin Krevel the, is the author, and uh, Delegitimatizing the State. And it's talking about the various ways of war, some of them uh, being uh, non-physical types of conflict. And that's what we are in right now with wokeism. And people need to understand that, that uh, when they can't understand and they're confused by what's going on, they need to understand that almost all of the issues that that they are are trying to challenge and go up against uh, are really not the issue. The real issue is empowerment. And uh, the the issue that's being talked about is is simply a decoy. It's simply a deception, and it goes all the way back. And it it, it, it we talk about the war in heaven, and that was a war. And we talk about Satan, and Satan was the first radical. And uh, Satan's whole uh, means of fighting is simply a deception. It's the idea that uh, calling some one thing something and when it's really, in effect, uh, being something else. And uh, always the idea is to deceive in such a way that it makes you look as if you are righteous and wanting the good and actually using that so-called good to destroy what the real good is and to destroy the foundations of the civilization and the uh, society and the power that you're going up against. And that's what has been going on. And that's why people like Riley Gaines and others in the women's situation with the transgender can't seem to understand why these women are now in actually doing the opposite of what they were doing not many years ago. And the real reason is simply because they did not understand what these women were doing in the first place. And that is, is they were not actually acting to empower, to uh, actually to to adjust the fairness uh, or to, to uh, make women uh, more equal and so forth. They were really acting to gain power for themselves, put themselves in a position of righteousness, and then use that righteousness to take down the society that they were opposing. And once you understand that, it begins to make sense as when you see them beginning to do what they're doing. When the women's rights issue is no longer an issue that they can use to empower themselves, they abandon it and they go on to something else. And this will keep on happening over and over again. And the people who are fighting the wrong war, that is fighting against issues that aren't the real issues, are simply wasting their time, wasting their breath, and not accomplishing anything and just going in circles. And uh, to the delight of the people who are opposing them. And so this is something we need to understand. At any rate, let's talk a little bit, Lynn, about what's going on inside the church. It seems that there are the same types of situations going on inside of the Catholic church to a certain extent uh, that parallel what's going on in the secular society outside of that church. And uh, what I want to talk about here is is that uh, we have a situation in which some of our bishops, we have this It seems like a uh, sort of a a situation in which there is the traditional uh, idea of the church and its deposit of (coughs) faith and its dogma being opposed against people in the church who want to change that tradition and who are using various uh, 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 issues that that aren't really the real issues – uh, as a means of changing that. And uh, I, I think uh, some of the people who are beginning to understand that are being removed from the church. Uh, recently here, uh, B- Bishop Strickland in Tyler, you know, the Tyler, Texas, the diocese of Tyler, Texas, was removed uh, from his position and, you uh, uh, taken out of the 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 active priesthood and the reason seemed to be because he was making charges that that something like this was going on that there was a movement in the church that was going against the deposit of faith itself what do you, what do you think about all this
1: Lynn? i think that he had expressed Doubt the doubt about the synodality that was going on. I think that he he well. I don't think I know that he has come right out and challenged that whole process, and he has challenged he, the uh, Pope on the issues of the traditional Catholics. One of the charges. They're very vague, but one of the things against him is that he was told to to I don't know how to put it. Be I guess I can't be polite about it. He was told to, told to close down the traditional Catholic Mass, the Mass that we all celebrated for the last five hundred and some years, the in Latin. In some parishes, he had some parishes that he allowed them to continue to worship in that way. And Rome didn't like that. So he's been dismissed.
0: Yeah, it says that he was, uh, someone was sent to investigate. He received an apostolic visitation, that is an investigation. And the results of that were really not released. And, uh, he was removed from his position and there was no real specific reason given. He was asked to resign and then he refused to resign. And, uh, the causes of him being asked to resign were not really listed. And, uh, he was, it was said here by a few people that he accused the Pope of, uh, undermining the deposit of faith and, uh, he said something about the Pope sits on a chair, not his own. But these may sound sort of harsh, but is that really a reason because you disagree with the Pope or because you think that the deposit of faith is being undermined and you voice your opinion on that? Well, it yeah. should be removed without a canonical procedure. I mean, the Pope can do this. There's no doubt that he can. He has the power. But really, should that be done?
1: No. According to uh, what I've heard, according to uh, canon law, that's not how they go about removing bishops. Bishops are the, uh, uh, the they, they are representing the apostle in the church, and you can't just dismiss them out of no hand the problem the the problem for the rest of us secular people is we're looking at the dismissal of popes not popes of bishops cardinals cardinal burke uh, the bishops priests all over the place there's a group of priests now that are uh, what are they called, decommissioned or something?
0: Yeah, decommissioned, I think.
1: Yeah, and Cardinal uh, or Archbishop Viganò has come out with an announcement that they're going to start uh, a a coalition of these deposed Cancel. priests. Canceled Cancel. priests. Yeah, canceled priests. That's what I was looking for, the canceled priests. But that this, sort of,
0: this sort of parallels the cancel culture that is the woke agenda that is going on in our secular culture.
1: Exactly.
0: And this is what I was getting at. The fact is is that some of these same techniques seem to be being used within the church. Oh,
1: that, yeah.
0: That there are issues that are being named as issues that aren't really the issue. <laughs> that the issue is actually about power.
1: And the same thing is happening within the church as, w- as in secular society. People are becoming more and more hesitant about what they say. They're afraid to express themselves. Even the, It's not only the people, the ordinary people. It's the people who have consecrated their lives to God in the monasteries, and the uh, traditional groups of sisters, the orders of women, they're being closed down too. He's really putting his uh, big hammer down on everybody. He does not want the traditional mass set. And if you disagree with him, you're gone.
0: And the, the thing is here is that ultimately... The best reason given for uh, Strickland's removal, and it it was sort of vague, but it was about the only reason given, was that somehow he was not a good administrator. But do you really remove somebody uh, for not being a good administrator without first giving him advice and allowing them to, you know, maybe he wasn't a good administrator, but the fact is his parish was solvent. And that you know that says His something right there. Diocese
1: was and they have twenty seminarians. Yeah, twenty That's seminarians in that that diocese, which isn't that big, it's very small.
0: Very yeah. small. Right. So at most, if if there was some concern about administration,
1: in Chicago, wishes is they yeah, had that. If there 20, was some
0: concern about administrations, what I'm trying to say is, is that certainly you wouldn't remove somebody at, without first going over what. The problem was in giving the person a chance to solve it, and uh, that that wasn't the case. Somebody came in from the outside, and without anything being actually said, you know, as to what the evaluation was, uh, Strickland was simply removed. And then afterwards, these vague explanations about administration and stuff were given that don't make a lot of sense to me.
1: No, they don't. Yeah, well, the- there is a good example of the power you're talking about about the idea that the issue is not the issue.
0: Exactly, this
1: is a good example of it, and it's it's invaded into the church governance. The papacy is like a mon- monarchy. You could compare it to that. This not a democracy.
0: No, it's and, not. And, and it sh- it's
1: not supposed to be. And
0: it, and it shouldn't be, but the— but The, the
1: thing is, it's the, all the bishops together to make uh, decisions, but they don't.
0: But while the, what the German bishops are proposing, that is that the laity should have some kind of voting power, is wrong. I mean, it, that that is a form of Protestantism. That would be the Catholic Church stepping into the Protestantism. On the other hand, though— The shepherds of the church are not allowed to act against the deposit of faith that they were given. In other words, they have to conform to the doctrines that the church has laid down over the centuries, the dogmas that are simply uh, unrefutable, irrefutable, the dogmas that cannot be changed and cannot be turned over. They have to live according to them. So while the laity does not have the democratic power to vote on, Issues that are strictly the province of the shepherds of the church, that by itself is not uh, clericalism. And the the idea of clericalism is if the shepherds of the church are overstepping their boundaries, and in this case, actually, to me, it would seem uh, the actions of what's going on at the Vatican level is more of clericalism than it would be if the shepherds have their proper power, that is, the power to act and make decisions within the context of the dogma that's been handed on to them, that can't be changed. So that's both right. both both people are are uh, the laity ha- can have input in the sense that they can be heard and they certainly should be listened to, but they don't make the decisions. And on the other hand, the people in power can't make decisions that are contrary to the deposit of faith that's been handed down. And this is, I think, what Strickland was trying to get at. I think he was trying to get at the fact that there seemed to be a movement in the church that was acting as if there were no deposit of faith. And there were people who were saying that, well, he was putting too much of an emphasis on the importance of the deposit of faith. But when you are constricting the operations of the clergy in the church, the shepherds of the church, the bishops especially, then that becomes very important, that deposit of faith, and the dogma's handed on through the centuries, because those restrict those shepherds from stepping outside the bounds of their power.
1: That is for sure. Um, This isn't just the United States. The Pope has kind of directed a lot. A lot of messages to the United States that we are not being um, devoted or, or that we are the ones that are not supporting it, the church's way of thinking. But blaming a whole group of people and then trying to get, uh, you know, do away with the faithful. And many of these traditional churches have the greatest number of young people and families that are devoted to those churches. Most of them are insolvent. They're growing.
0: They're solvent. Yeah. I don't mean insolvent.
1: Yeah. They're solvent. They're, they're uh, growing. Why do you want to destroy that faith? It's. I never could understand it from the beginning because the church, in the Catholic Church, I think there's seven different rites. The, uh, I can't name them all right now, but those rites have their own adaptation of the Mass. Why can't the traditionalists have it?
0: Exactly. That that was uh, Pope Benedict's modo proprio was uh, the idea that the there is room for the traditional Mass. Right, and uh, then of course Francis stepped in, and he, in effect, contradicts Benedict's <laughs> motu proprio. I mean, he can do that, but it's not a very good idea, in my opinion, to do that. And and uh, Strickland's uh, defense was that these these uh, churches that were practicing the traditional mass were solvent, and they were operating, and you know, they were vibrant. They were. Uh, Good. They were doing good, and he didn't want to interfere with success. And I can understand that. And so, certainly, you know, should he a person be removed just for that? And uh, well,
1: it, it isn't it, only here; it's all over the world that it's yeah. there. Trying to abolish the use of the traditional mass.
0: We need to talk about this a little bit more. We're coming into the again At Christmas the season, and we'll program. be you know doing a little bit more of Christmasy uh, things,
1: right? But but uh, uh, Cardinal Burke I got, this week exactly. He, he has been re- Cardinal Burke is a very was a very powerful cardinal, and he's a traditional type person and priest and preacher. He had, uh, oh my goodness, we're running out of time. He's been uh, denied his apartment in Rome, which all cardinals have, and his retirement fund. It's gone.
0: His pension has been taken away, and he's been removed from service, uh, all because supposedly, again... He was saying things in a disagreement with the Pope, but I mean the fact is, is that certainly there's room for disagreement, and uh, there even has sometimes been if in that history grises, of the church. And sometimes that gr- disagreement, sometimes is a little bit rude or crude, and I'm not saying that can't happen. But uh, even that is not enough simply to remove a bishop without some kind of uh, canonical procedure and at least more of a public uh, explanation of what's going on. So. At any rate, we're going to have to let that for another time, and uh, it's something for the people to think about. But it does parallel what's going on, I think, in the war of attrition against our society itself. Uh, It seems as if there are issues that are really not the issues, and there's something else underlying that issue instead. At any rate, St. Michael the Archangel, defend Defend us in in battle. battle. Be our protection protection against the wickedness and snares snares of the the devil. devil. May May God God rebuke rebuke him, we humbly pray. pray. And, and do thou, Prince of the heavenly host, by, by the, the power of God, God thrust, thrust in, in hell, Satan, Satan, and all and evil, evil spirits who wander through, through the world for the ruin of souls. souls. Amen.
2: You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. If you'd like to contact Bob, email bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's bob at Catholic catholicspiritradio.com. Catholic Spirit Radio relies on your support to bring programming like this and EWTN 24 hours a day. Please help keep Catholic Spirit Radio on the air with your generous support. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com or send a donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykin's Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. That's Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykin's Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Catholic Spirit Radio is a 501c3, and all donations are tax-deductible. Thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio.